Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Hi, Catherine. Hey. Um, I was just reading about uh, Reinhold Niebuhr. Do you know who he is, was? No. He was sort of a writer and public intellectual and theologian. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, he wrote this thing that is commonly recited in AA. Uh-huh. What is it? Um, the Serenity Prayer? It's called the Serenity Prayer. Yeah, you probably know oh, it. I know all about the Serenity Prayer. Oh, how did you come to, to the Serenity Prayer? <laughs> this is... <laughs> The thing that is coming to mind is Seinfeld. <laughs> oh. They said, so, there was some episode where they said serenity now. Serenity All the now. time. Yeah, they did say that. But I, I forget don't think what that this, is like, the serenity is. prayer. No, no, no. That's definitely not the serenity prayer. But for some reason that came to mind. The serenity prayer is, uh, God grant me the something to (laughs) it's funny that that's the word you forgot the 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 serenity the oh the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the something courage to to the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference see cha-ching yep is there anything interesting to say about reinhold now i want to know about this reinhold i don't know much about him i was just kind of you know thinking about that prayer and then saw that an actual human wrote it. It wasn't like on a tablet 400,000 years ago. This guy died in the 70s. Before that, they didn't have this prayer. Serenity did not exist before. He composed it in 1932. Some places say 33. I don't don't know anything about the guy, but uh, he's a polemicist, so. A polemicist or a theologian? And a theologian and a writer. People used to be more than one thing. Oh, before. Helicopter parenting. <laughs> before helicopter parenting. Well, here's one thing I've been kind of trying to wrap my head around. Yeah. In the last week or two, it's really, now that case numbers are rising outside of the original hotspots, there's been this kind of growing sense that containment as a strategy is dead, like not going to happen. But it feels like public messaging from leadership hasn't gotten there yet. <laughs> like, or or I just yeah. feel like a lot of people are still acting like this is a temporary thing. I know, I know. I think people want so badly to give people good news and concrete frameworks because right. a lot of people like to plan. I love to plan, which is why this time has been so disorienting in a way because you there's no you you can't plan right. but I think the thing the thing I'm trying to get my head around is it feels like we're in this weird in between we mm. are no longer in the oh my god shut everything down pause wait we got to figure out what's going on we're past that but we're in this weird nether world where we haven't yet gotten to like okay, this is just what life is like now. So we're going to start 
like adapting to this being life now and like creating new systems. Like it feels like we're making little attempts, re, you know, locally here and there, individual people are doing different things, but there's no collective sense of permanence. Like permanence. Yeah, right. but it seems like this is functionally yeah. permanent. Yeah. So th so this is my question, why aren't we all talking about it? Why aren't governors and mayors being real with people? I don't know. Maybe they haven't read too much Reinhold Niebuhr. <laughs> they just need we we need um, a dose of serenity now. Well, so there was a really interesting piece on the Atlantic recently, and. It is on the topic of radical acceptance. It's by Akemeni Uwan. Uh, she's a theologian. So we're going to talk to her about what acceptance is. Because it doesn't feel like, this does feel like kind of an existential problem. Yeah. Um, how does one adjust to the loss of so many familiar things? And not just the loss of so many familiar things, but really stressful and tragic and enraging political and social problems on top of that vitamins you know? <laughs> i mean i think if you just get real obsessive about a vitamin regimen that could probably help it would at least take your mind off of it right well let's talk to akemeni i think she 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 will be wiser than than we are certainly hello hey how are you i'm good how are you good jim is here too Hi, Akemini. I'm Jim. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm okay. Thank you All for speaking right. with us. Sure. No problem. Glad to be on. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, my name is Akemini Uwan. I am a public theologian, technically an anti-racist, a public theologian and co-host of Truth Stable podcast. What does an anti-racist public theologian do? A public theologian, just generally speaking, as uh, one who uh, helps to make sense of uh, a lot of what's going on culturally, politically, um, sociologically, interpersonally, um, and what God has to say about that. So I'm a Christian, and so I'm trying to make sense of a lot of these uh, big issues uh, that many people are trying to grapple with and wonder, like, where's God? What does God mm -hmm. have to say about this? Mm -hmm. Does God even care? And so I do all of those things and help to uh, hopefully ground people, help to give some clarity, um, provide an anchor, if you will, for people during these times. That's exactly what we need. Yes, you're welcome. I hope that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it seems like you would be in high demand these days. Um, <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. We'll see. Oh, <laughs> uh, so... What, um, I'm just curious, what is the, if we could talk about you a little bit first, like what has yeah. your experience of this whole thing been? Like a thing like, there's so many things. Exactly, so exactly. <laughs> I mean, they're it's all. It's a bit of a Rorschach test. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's been, oh, how can I say, a whirlwind, I guess. That's the, the best way I can put it. Yeah. Uh, with regard to the pandemic, it seemed like one day. Everything was going, at, we were going about our, you know, normal, quote unquote, uh, mm -hmm. lives. And then all of a sudden, 
the pandemic was here and we didn't really know what to make of it. I was actually out of the country. So there was even a little bit more of a layer of just mm. confusion and a, a bit of a, a shock, if you will, because I, right. I literally left, you know, America for a trip abroad. And then as the pandemic is continuing and raging on, like I talk about in the piece, we're still getting killed by the police. I, we just cannot um, get a break. It's it's overwhelming, to be quite honest. And, and one can spiral into despair. Yeah. How, how did you get interested in in theology? Like, is there an origin story? Like, what what interests you about this? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, well, you know, I grew up uh, in California, and I grew up in a Christian household. My grandfather was a Lutheran pastor, but he was a, Luth a Lutheran pastor in Nigeria. I would say the faith, though, and growing up had not become my own. I really had not um, come to faith until college. It was in college that I, I came to faith. My father passed away. It was a bit of a traumatic um incident to how he how he passed away was uh, he was in the hospital for a long time due to a massive stroke and he passed away the summer before my sophomore year and so I was really angry with God and um and lashing out and uh, doing what college students do and I just remember one day being in my dorm room um and at this point I think I was I was smoking a blunt if I, if I can be blunt on here <laughs> that's what Wait, I was that's doing what that's what we need. Jim and I were just talking about serenity. I don't know why we didn't, we're like acting like it's complicated. Just smoke a blunt, you know? And I can't endorse it. very that. serene. So I can't endorse it. But that's where, that's where I was, you know, that's where okay, I was okay. in, in college. In college, I, I was, I, I remember being in my dorm room and thinking, man, if Jesus were to come back, because I, I know the doctrines, right? I know the faith, I know the creeds and, and all those things. And I was like, man, if he, if he were to come back now, like, I would not be going with him. Nothing about my life reflects that I know Jesus in any way, shape or form. Not the way I live, not the way I talk, um, not the way I act toward others. And that was just a scary thought to me. So I went to church the next day and I felt like I heard the gospel for the first time. It wasn't the first time I heard it, but something changed. So in that moment in, in college, yeah. is it fair to say you sort of came to understand yourself in a different way? Um, that you had this sort of different understanding of who you wanted to be and who you are in the world. Yes, yes, definitely. I, I came, I, it's like, I, I was really actually able to see myself like, oh, I'm really not that nice of a person. <laughs> we know, we, we always, we think we're better than we are oftentimes. That's well, just I am human better. <laughs> no, I am better for the record. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But, but, yeah. but, but you know, I, I, I was able to really see, you know, like, oh, oh boy, like, what what in my my life does not reflect this <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. like this this faith that I grew up on yeah um and it, it's not I'm not living congruently so without taking too much um of metaphorical liberty here it sure, seems like sure. the country and even the world maybe are sort of going through that process right now right. in a, a bit of a non-denominational way but drawing uh -huh, on principles uh -huh. from all different kinds of theologies yeah. that there might uh -huh. be um these discrepancies, inconsistencies have been there for a long time, but suddenly they oh, yes. feel really apparent and high stakes uh, between sure. people marching in the street and people people dying, you know, losing hundreds of Americans every day and mm -hmm. at vastly different rates across, mm -hmm. uh, you know, racial lines. So, yes, it's a conversion moment, maybe. Mm -hmm. I hope. Um, I'm... I want to talk to you about this idea you wrote about in your piece. Like, I yes, think yes. one thing is to realize, like, okay, this is how this country is working right now. 
these are the failures. These are the people being harmed. Like, right. this is how this system works. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, then what? what? What is the next step? You know, it's, it's acceptance, you know, of reality as it is, right? Uh, because uh, radical acceptance, um, it doesn't mean that you approve of it doesn't mean you even agree with it, Mm -hmm. Uh, but you have to see it for what it is so that you're not tempted to uh, choose denial or even non-acceptance, especially in our context right now with the the pandemic. By denying it and by refusing to accept that reality, that denial is actually deadly. It's deadly to our neighbors, right? Yeah. Right. Right. How do you do that? I mean, what is... What does that look like? It looks like we begin to change and modify our lives in service, not only to our loved ones, but also in service to our neighbors. Accepting reality would mean that, okay, I'm going to only go to the grocery store when I need to do that. And why am I going to do that? Because I'm considering the needs of somebody else well, my own as well, my own needs, because I could be exposed, right, to the virus, but also the needs of other people. What about the grocery store clerk that's checking out my groceries? What does that mean to, to look out for somebody that you do not know? That, that person is your neighbor. Right. Like, we are connected. Um, and so what that person does impacts me. So radical acceptance is sort of about action? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it will take some some action as well. Or even uh, take another instance. We have over 100,000 people that have died um, from COVID-19. I think we're at 115 right now. Um, and they say yeah, that, that we're we know be, of that we know of. Exactly. So we're going to be barreling toward 200,000. My goodness. And And think about the grief that comes with that. Even grief is um, an act of radical acceptance because accepting reality for what it is, it is hard. People are suffering. Uh, People are dealing with so many things, compounding issues, but denial just exacerbates our suffering. We don't accept it. We don't see it for what it is. We we only make our condition much worse, right? Um, So I, I think we see a lot of that uh, on a macro level, even with the government, and yeah, <laughs> yeah right. No. Well, that was what I was wondering about. Is we were we were just talking about this? How it feels like we don't have a lot of good models for acceptance right now in the public. We, but what we're seeing, I think, what I feel like I'm seeing is denial. Yes, a lot of it. I, I agree. don't know, Jim. What do you What do you think? Well, um, yeah, I think you know when a person in your life dies or when there's mm-hmm. been a big natural disaster or a, you know a, an attack on a city and buildings are crumbled then you can yeah. look at that yeah. and kind of it's really hard to accept but there's these pictures and there this you know yes. there's this hard reality in front of you and mm-hmm. like back in february i lo- i likened this whole experience to like a slow motion hurricane mm-hmm. we don't have the physical yes. evidence in front of us and it's playing out on mm. a time scale that makes it harder. So mm. it's what, like, you know, the tragedy is something closer to like something that people think at a day-to-day level, oh, I can stop this or I can reverse time or, or it's maybe right. it's not going to be that bad instead of, you know, seeing that physical reality in front of you and saying, listen, you you know, there's nothing you can do about this, right? Like that building is down. That person is gone. I, I, in a situation like this, I guess... Mm. You know, how do you know when you're at the point where you need to do radical acceptance? Like, what is the wisdom to know the difference between what I can and cannot change? Yeah, well, I, I well, I think in some ways it was, well, forced upon us, yeah. right? Because this, this pandemic really was like, wait a minute. Like, it, and it really asked, had caused people to really ask some serious existential questions. Like, is this the end? 
you know, like there were jokes, you know, about this dystopian reality, like, oh, I didn't know in the apocalypse I'd be wearing pajamas at home, you know, things like that. <laughs> those, those, because, you know, it's, it's, Jim it's made how some we, of those jokes. Right. There you go. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is how we cope with, you know, with trauma. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Just, it yeah, is no. just it, it, it really is. It's like humor. Let's pull into some humor here. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes it's just that traumatic and it's just too and the volume on the trauma is a little too loud. Right. Because you're just hearing about deaths. You, you were your timeline, I'm sure, was teeming with people saying, oh, my, my aunt has it. My uncle has it. I have it. This is what it was like, you know. And so the way that we know oh my goodness, that we need uh, radical acceptance. I mean, for me, I, I guess in some ways I'm like, what, at what point do we realize that losing over 100,000 people to a virus is not normal and it didn't have to be this way? You know, that has not been the case in South Korea. You, you see what I'm saying? That hasn't been the case in New Zealand. And I think we really have got to reckon with this reality. Uh, and, and I think our, to be honest, our government has not, it, it looked out for our well-being. Right. And it's also not, you know, at least at the federal level, you know, we're not having leaders sort of model grief, you know, in a tr- yes. in a way that is yes. we're used to seeing. So it sounds like we we kind of have to do this for ourselves because there's not someone showing you how, like, here's how we come together. or Here's how, you know, we think about this. We're all kind of having to figure it out for yes. ourselves. Yeah. yeah. I think of the role when i think of the role of religion in mm-hmm. in american life it's especially um involved at life transitions you know uh, yes, births yes. and yes. M- marriages and deaths yes. um even yes. for people who aren't regularly religious and i'm wondering if we maybe need something now to mark a transition to a national radical acceptance process Yes, yes. No, I agree. I mean, uh, America is long overdue for a truth commission or reconciliation or conciliation, let's say conciliation, Mm -hmm. because there's never been, you know, reconciliation implies that there was a time that we were together or there was a time that we were unified. There's not really ever been a time. Even with this whole COVID-19, we're all in this together. We're not. Okay. It's it's clear that we're not in this together. Um, And that would be freeing not only to black and brown people, uh, but to white people as well. We have mm-hmm. got to get free. There are real uh, chains of bondage here happening in this country. And that's because of what the, the foundation. I'd also say that we do need something um, to mark um, the lives lost, right? Some sort of memorial. Um, and that's good for our souls. That's good for our mental health um, to be able to mark that. And in some ways... Um, uh, bring closure of some sort. Obviously, we're in the pandemic still, so we can't right. do it quite yet. Closure meaning, to but, the before. Maybe. Yeah, closure to the, something that, that marks a closure to before so that we can move into this new future. Right. Something that I think I want to make sure we make clear is sometimes, if you just hear the word acceptance, sometimes mm-hmm. that can feel like pretty close to complacency or, right, you right. know, inaction, or, so can you explain, And but I know that's not what you're saying, so can you explain, No, yeah. like, I understand you need to look things in the face, mm-hmm. but say, mm-hmm. say you've, you're there now, mm-hmm. and you've looked at this, and you've, you've accepted the horror, and the problems, and mm-hmm. the reality, mm-hmm. then what? Yes. So, um, so you're, you're seeing it for what it is in this moment, but it doesn't mean that you can't try to change the next moment. And I think that's what we're seeing now with the protests. I think generation upon generation of, of black 
people in this country, in this nation, have always been working to change the next moment. We've never had the privilege, you know, of denying our reality. I mean, Mm -hmm. really, we've we've never had the privilege of denying white supremacy. We've never had the the privilege of denying racism. It has always, it's so, it's so intrusive. You know, and even in, it follows us into our homes. Brianna right. Taylor was shot eight times while she was asleep. Right. Ayanna Stanley Jones, a six-year-old, was killed years ago in Detroit in her sleep. A Tatiana Jefferson, my goodness, the list goes on and on. You know, yeah. of doing the most basic things, doing the most, you know, that anybody does, running, Ahmaud Arbery, you know, yeah. um, gunned down by vigilantes. You know, so what What do you do? You know, you can't escape that reality. And so we are working to change the next moment because we see our reality and we're like, ah, we're not going to accept this anymore. Right. So radical acceptance is, uh, is the kind of the opposite of denial. Yes. Oh goodness. Yes. (laughs) Definitely the opposite. You mentioned South Korea and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it, I think about the difference in radical acceptance there versus here too, with regard to the virus. Um, there had been, you know, the last coronavirus, um, hit South Korea hard and it did not hit us hard. And we've been pretty much spared by a lot of recent, um, outbreaks. And we had this exceptionalism of like, well, somehow America's going to be okay. Probably Mm -hmm. surely. Well, you know, I actually think that what we need as a nation is to confess and to reject American exceptionalism. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is rooted in the myth of America being great and being, well, being number one. Right. Um, and yeah. being uh, the best over everybody. We and spend has the, the most p- on health care. Right. And look at our health outcomes. Yeah. And so so I, I actually think that it, it's due for America to actually confess and repent of its American exceptionalism. And it's so pervasive. I mean, I, I think I even alluded in the piece I talked about how I was like, well, I thought this I thought it would blow over. <laughs> you know, I, I was like, I thought, you know, a month or two we'd move on. Right. That it would be like some of the other viruses. Like, man, I didn't even realize that I had that ex- American exceptionalism within me. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, I had to, I had to confess. I was like, you know, uh, hearing about it in China and then hearing about it, I think in Italy, I was because remember I was abroad when this started to really because when I left, this wasn't a thing per mm-hmm. se. Um, and then when I came back, oh my goodness, everything had changed. But I remember hearing the news um, when I was abroad and thinking, oh man, like that's terrible, but you know, we'll be fine, right? Because right. America. I mean, really, that, that's really yeah, the no, undercurrent. That's what we're saying. That's American exceptionalism. And I had, to, I had to confess that. And like, that's not okay. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I should care um, that the virus is claiming lives in China and in Italy, even if it never reaches American shores. It did. But I, I should have mm-hmm. cared even then. You, know, you see what I'm saying? Um, but that exceptionalism can harden us, right, to, to um, the humanity of other people. And it can harden us, you know, to the concerns of others. Right. Uh, and so, so anyway, so I, I think none of us are really exempt from that. And so it, it took this pandemic for me to even see how that um, ideology had even crept, crept in. Right, um, right. Into my own psyche, you know. Well, this is so, this is really, uh, this idea of marking it as a transition is really helpful. I think that's a useful framework uh-huh. because we're not getting this kind of messaging from leaders. Like we, we right. kind of have to talk to each other about we okay, do. The, we do. the, the before is gone. We're dealing with now. 
Yes. And like, here's how we move forward. We need some sort of symbolic marker of that. I think that is a good yes. idea. But we can yes. all try. We had try Flag to do Day on Sunday. <laughs> that didn't do it. Didn't do it. Um, no. no. Uh, I have one last question for you, and then mm-hmm. we'll let you go. But I'm I'm curious, what is it like? I just can't imagine trying to process this moment and then also trying to help other people process this moment. I, mm. I'm just curious what it's been like for you. Oh, thanks for that question. And now I'm going to cry. No, um, oh. it's. <laughs> no, I no, don't no, want to no, make seriously. you cry, but this is a safe space for crying. No. I cry all the time. So. It's been, it has. <laughs> we all need to. We have to. We have no, to try not do. to suppress these That's part these of my radical acceptance. That's yeah. part of it, right? It's not yeah. suppressing these moments. You know, it has been really, it's been difficult um, because I'm grieving so many things. Yeah. You know, uh, there. I, 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 sometimes it, it's just like, it just feels like all of me is grieving so many things on top of just the pandemic in and of itself, the police brutality of black people are, we, we are very much, we are suffering greatly right now. And that's been hard. Uh, you know, grieving for a George Floyd and a Maude Arbery and Breonna Mm -hmm. Taylor, you you know what I'm saying? Um, this young woman, Oluwa Toyin, who just, you know, was found murdered in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, it, it's exhausting and it's, it is disorienting. Um, but I think me walking through it myself is what helps me to at least lead people because I'm right. being led by God. It's not, I'm not leading myself out of the darkness. Mm-hmm. It's God helping me holding my hand. And as I'm holding, and he's holding my hand, I'm holding everybody else's hand. Like, Hey guys, come let's, let's do this together. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure you're helping so many people, but it's, you know, we've talked a lot about, uh, essential workers and doctors and uh, just everyone who's working to help other people in this crisis. But those people are also experiencing this. So I, I, I hope you uh, are finding ways to, to take care of yourself. I am trying. Working out is huge too. If we want to be real practical, working out is huge for me too. Jim is always trying to get me to work out and I don't want to. It helps, man. I do it for the endorphins. I do it for the endorphins. What is your method? Um, I do, I try to do, uh, 30 minutes of cardio Monday through Friday, and then I'll do, you know, legs, weights, and resistance bands. Now I'm mm-hmm. at home. Now I'm never going to the gym again. And so, now, <laughs> unless everything is done and then we get out of this pandemic and safe, uh, yeah. and so, y'all do no, weights. You, and, that's denial. That's denial. Just, see, see, there you, there you go. <laughs> so, exactly. So now I'm adjusting and we're working out from home, walking around, you know, the block, just trying to do, do, do some jump rope. You know, you have to adapt. You got to adapt. Yeah. And that's adapt. what I've been trying yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending a little time with us. And uh, everyone should check out your podcast, Truth's Table, and yeah, your, your yeah. we'll link to your article on The Atlantic. And, and awesome. I hope um, just thanks for uh, talking to us and taking the time. I'm sure this will be really, really helpful to people. Thank you. Yeah, thank you all for having yeah, me. I really so appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you for you. taking the time. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. I'm plotting the ceremony I'm going to do hmm. to uh, mark my acceptance of this new uh, world. Oh my! I was going to ask when what your moment of acceptance was because I thought it was you know our first phone call when I laid it all out for you and just changed everything. But no, not everything is about you, Jim.
I mean, for, for me, it is. <laughs> sure. No, but I really do think this, like, transition, I really am. I'm going to think of a way to perform my own personal ritual to demonstrate acceptance of this moment and putting the past in the past. Like, I actually, I'm very into that idea, and I think it could be very helpful for me personally. And we could nationally do it uh, as a holiday uh, on Friday. Well, Juneteenth is not a bad moment for acceptance and reckoning with our history. Yeah, American exceptionalism, etc. So we're not going to do a podcast on Friday. That's right. So we we won't we'll be off on Friday and we'll talk again on Monday. Yeah? Yes. Any any closing thoughts? I feel I've said a lot. <laughs> this show was produced today by Alvin Mellis. Write us at socialdistance at theatlantic.com or you can call us at 202-642-6487. Subscribe to the Atlantic if you haven't. Theatlantic.com slash support us. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander, or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.